You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Football's right around the corner, and get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and and place a bet of $1 or more on any week one game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. The Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. And for week one, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a $1 million top prize. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching a game quite like having a free shot at a $1 million top prize. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game and get a free shot at a million dollar top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. (laughs) And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 137 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Wild Wednesday, Hump Day Wednesday, right in the middle of it. 
Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, for the for new listeners out there, welcome. Thank you very much for uh, for choosing to uh, to give this a listen, and uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy this really cool guest for you guys today. Uh, none other than Paul Ferrone, Mad Dog Paul Ferrone. Um, yeah, this is really cool, guys, and I, I'll be completely honest. Really rare. Um, I owe Chris Graff a a, a, a huge. Uh, Definitely a few beers for this one. Um, Chris set this up and put me in touch with Paul and, uh, you know, and, and Paul's not, uh, he's on no social media and, and, um, yeah, and, uh, really wasn't, uh, really wasn't huge, on, huge on the idea. I kind of had to sell him on it and, uh, but I, but hey, it was cool. Paul, Paul trusted me enough to, uh, to do this. And, and like I said, uh, and by the time we were done, I think it was, it's almost three hours. So decided to split it up into two parts and, um, kind of a junior and a pro part, I guess, is how kind of a, how it worked out. Um, yeah, like I said, with Paul's career in the Western Hockey League and then on to, uh, the American League in Syracuse and then over to the UK. And, um, and we cover it all here and, uh, and I will, and I will say, and I, I believe Paul mentions it even in the interview. I know he mentioned it to me a few times, and I've talked to him off the air. But I, I believe he mentions it on on here as well. That, uh, that yeah, this is the only podcast he's doing, and this is the only interview he's doing. And so, uh, yeah, I don't think you'll see Paul from making the rounds. Um, you know, Chiglis might be able to talk him into it, but I don't think so. But uh, he's a busy dude, so I want to thank Paul for taking the time out as well to. Uh, to sit down and, and like I said, to take, uh, this much time. And I know he was really, um, um, he, I know he really wanted to put out a, a good project as well. And, uh, yeah. So like I said, we, we turn over every stone here in this interview. So I think really, really looking, uh, really, uh, excited to bring this to you guys. But, uh, for my new listeners tuning in, uh, again, welcome. Um, Please don't hesitate to check out my back catalog. Uh, you know, from Morassi to McIntyre to Joey Tedarenko. Um, for the UK folks, I know Paul was a big deal over in the UK, so I'm sure I have a few new, few new UK listeners to this. Um, yeah, I've had a number of guys on from the Elite League as well. Uh, you know, uh, Mike McWilliam, Riley Emerson, Jason Goulet, um, McMorrow, Colt King, um, you know, uh, Joe Grimaldi, Frank Kovacs, uh, on and on. Um, had a, like I said, number of UK guys that, uh, that I know you guys will, you guys know and know over there. So please, uh, check out their interviews as well. Um, yeah, guys, like I said, we, we talked for a long time. So my intro, I'm not going to, uh, babble on and on today. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we kind of, we had a, thunderstorm here so i was i've been late recording this intro um so it's pretty late here right now so i'll we'll just get into it um nobody tuned in to listen to me anyway but um as i said uh i you know to uh to do the usual uh like as i said i'm a member of the hockey podcast network there's over 50 shows in the network uh all the nhl teams are represented so whatever team you're a fan of uh there's a show for you uh, definitely check those out as, as camps are starting up here right away. And, uh, those guys, their, their seasons will be beginning soon. Um, for my off network friends, of course, you got, uh, Florida mantled Alec there at the five for fighting podcast is a bang up job. Um, just had Jason bone on 
So uh, definitely check that out. Uh, gets down, tells some old LNAH stories and all that craziness. And uh, Alec has a tremendous back catalog. By Lois, um, Rob Ray, Segroy, Yablonski. Definitely check out his show. He's back, and uh, he took a little while off, but he's uh, back in full swing now. Um, he also uh, started up the uh, about a year or so ago the Enforcer Appreciation Group on Facebook. If you happen to be on Facebook, definitely go and check that group out. Uh, it's a uh, it's a private group, but uh, yeah, it's got jeez, uh, I don't know, twelve thousand members on it, and uh, yeah. Um, Lots of interesting stuff from video to pictures to, to everything. It's, it's almost like the old fight board day, message board days. So definitely, uh, take, give that a shot. Um, and then of course, Jolton Joel Azito, the dapper Don himself, you know, you'll see him probably out in Long Island strutting wearing, uh, Capital District Sheen somewhere. Uh, of course, I am talking about Joe Lazito who runs the, Coliseum Chronicle podcast. It's a New York Islander enforcer based podcast. Uh, again, tremendous back catalog. Fakoda, Bolton, Dean Ewan, on and on. Uh, Joe just released Buried Rager Part 2. And uh, I have it downloaded and ready in my truck. I have been unable to listen to it yet, but I will tomorrow. So uh, definitely uh, I encourage everybody out there to check out uh, Joe Lazito. Um, yeah, I I won't I won't get too much into it now. There there is a whole history there with you know Baumgartner Blue and Peekaboo Bottom and you gotta you gotta check out past episodes to understand what I'm talking about. But I'll get more into that in uh, part two of this interview. But uh, we're pressed for time right now. But I'll I'll give you the whole sordid details of Jolt and Joe Lazito as the days and weeks go on here at the Fourth Line Voice. If you happen to be on social media, my first question to you would be, why would you do that to yourself? But since you're here, check me out, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter as well as on Facebook um, and YouTube. I've got it all covered. Um, if you're on YouTube, 2,500 fight videos from junior to pro. There's a few Paul Ferrone videos on there you should check out. Um, but I have all the leagues uh, sorted. So whatever league you're looking for, just type it into the search, NHL, OHL, AHL, blah, blah, blah. Boom, boom, boom. And it'll come right up. And uh, yeah, definitely check that out. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the little bell notification. I haven't been able to as of much as, as... Okay, let's try that again. I haven't been able to upload as much stuff as I'd like to lately. But uh, that will hopefully be changing in the near future. But uh, I like to try to upload, you know, 10, 15 videos a week. Um, right now we're sort of, for those that don't know, we're sort of in the, in a holding pattern. We're sort of in the middle of selling our condo and moving. So all our stuff is sort of packed away, which includes my fight DVDs. So I have not uploaded a lot of stuff lately. So, uh, but like I said, there's over 2,500 videos. So that'll definitely keep you busy for a while. So check those, check that stuff all out. I'd really, uh, very much appreciate it. But here we are. And, uh, also guys, the only other thing I ask of you, whatever major platform you're listening to, this show, could you rate and review my show? It helps me out in the searches. I greatly appreciate that. And, uh, you know, good, bad, or otherwise, um, I appreciate the feedback. And, uh, yes, how about we get on with things? And like I said, this is, uh, part one. And, uh, we, 
Oh, I should say for the new listeners, when's part two? Well, I'll tell you. Um, I release two episodes a week. Um, usually Wednesday is interview day, and then Sunday is what I call my rant episode, shit show Sunday, if you will. Um, of course, that will not be happening this Sunday because I will be bringing you part two. So today, uh, Wednesday part one, Sunday part two with uh, the finale with my interview with Paul. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys really, uh, you guys enjoy it. And uh, and if you're a new listener here and you enjoy this interview, uh, please stick with me. Like I said, hopefully we'll, uh, you'll check out the back catalog and going forward uh, for, for the new stuff. It'd be, that'd be really cool if you could stick around. Like I said, I know there's a million podcasts out there and, uh, I'm just happy that, uh, you took time out to listen to this to myself. And, uh, if you want to add me to the, into your podcast playlist, I'd be, uh, it'd be greatly appreciated. But, uh, how about without further ado, let's get on to it. Here's my interview. Part one, mad dog, Paul Ferrone. Talk to you guys on Sunday. Thanks everybody. All right, here we are on the fourth line voice with my special guest, Paul Ferrone. Paul, how you doing today? Good, Darren. Uh, how are you? Thanks for having me on. No, thank you very much for uh, for for coming on the show. Uh, we've been we've been setting this up for a while. I guess we we kind of have Chris Graff to thank for this, don't we? Yeah, yeah, you do. Uh, obviously, we'll get into Graff later, but um, I I wasn't aware. I mean, I'm not on social media. I wasn't really aware of too many podcasts. Um, and uh, Buddy had sent me on uh, a link to your podcast with uh, Kraft going through some of our fights, and uh, yeah, that's how you know that's how we came aware of it. So, anyways, yeah, doing a good job, and uh, been enjoying listening uh, listening to certain guys I played against stories, and uh, hearing how everything worked out for them. So it's been cool. No, excellent, and uh, yeah, old Graffer. Well, I know he'll be tuning in. You know, he's sitting in his basement right now. Probably drinking some uh, Michelob Ultra because you know he's got to try to maintain that girlish figure, and uh, and he'll, he'll be digging this. So it, uh, so Grapper, thank you very much for doing this. I know, uh, like you said, you're not on social media, so to track you down was uh, you're kind of like Bigfoot, man. I'm telling you, there's rumors about you, but no one's quite sure because uh, I've had a number of guests on this show, and when your name comes up, um, it's usually the same response. Like you're, this guy's a bad dude, man. So I am, uh, I'm pumped to have you on. And, uh, like I said, I've, we had the Seattle DVDs over the years. I've watched lots of your stuff. I was a, always a fan. So no, this is going to be really cool, but, uh, all right, let's get into it. Uh, where was Paul Frone born and raised and when did you start playing hockey? Uh, I was born in Vancouver. I grew up in the East end of Vancouver. Uh, is a blue collar area of it. Uh, all back end more so. Uh, played my minor hockey at Grandview, uh, which is East Vancouver. Um, we're a smaller organization, but uh, we had some pretty good players. We had uh, myself, we had uh, Tyler Perry, who went on to play in the WHL, and uh, three or four guys that went on to uh, play tier two. Uh, really good girl goalie, Danielle Dubay, who uh, I think she had a cup of coffee with Team Canada. So uh, not a very big organization, but a uh, good group of players and guys that I keep in touch with till this day. No, absolutely, and uh, so you played your minor hockey there. Where did you uh, did you play AAA midget and stuff? You know what? I uh, we were always a, like a smaller club, so we we uh, we had a decent team. We were we'd uh, I mean back then it was uh, I guess you'd be in certain tiers, and we'd uh, we every couple of years we had a good team, but we played up uh, till I think it was uh, Bantam, and then guys kind of went their own ways. And I went back and played my final year was uh, midget. Before I went on and played tier two, 
Yeah, well, there we go. So, 93, 94, Junior A, you roll into Penticton with the Penticton Panthers of the BC Junior League. Um, was that was that your first junior camp? You know what? The year before, um, I was a really late uh, late grower, so I was pretty small all the way up. I think I was still growing until I was about 20, so I was pretty undersized. So, as a 15-year-old, um, my dad would just take me to local, local tryouts. I mean, maybe we'd go up to... Uh, Kelowna one weekend or you know um, somewhere else the next weekend just try out um, it was more for experience I was never going to make those teams I was just too small um, but we'd go there and you know just learn from those camps and then uh, uh, I think that summer before I went to Penticton there was a rookie camp in uh, in Vancouver um, so I went to that and did all right and then they invited me up to main camp there yeah the um uh well, like, so, you know, you, so you roll in, so right off the bat, um, when you got into camp, were you, uh, did you have any incidents in training camp? Like, were you, were you fighting right away, or, uh, did that sort of come later, or were you kind of fighting right from the word go? You know what, um, growing up, I was always a skilled player, I mean, I was kind of was first or second on the team in points, you know what I mean, and then that, that rookie camp in Vancouver a couple months earlier, um, I think I led that in goals. I, I had a meeting with Gary Davis, and he was the coach then. And um, he had uh, basically, you know, he told me that there, you know, he was impressed with, uh, you know, hockey ability and skating. And uh, he told me there was a spot on the third line, but he was, uh, you know, he was concerned. That obviously, I was a smaller player. Um, you know, he said he'd want to, he wanted to see some toughness come September. And I kind of forgot about that story. And I wound up seeing him and his son tie up in Penticton, you know, maybe 15 years ago, and, and he reminded me of it. Um, but so I, I didn't fight at that camp. I thought the week before there was a medicine hat roof camp. My hand was a little bit banged up. And to be honest, back then it wasn't, you know, you kind of fought when the odd camp, when it happened. It wasn't like you were going out looking for fights. And then um, during that meeting uh, a couple months before I was going to go to main camp, you know, he, yeah, he had told me there was, you know, there's a spot, but you need to show me something. You need to show me some toughness and uh you know maybe at that time i was 510 145 if that and uh you know i i just said to him i said uh oh, okay well if, you know if you're happy with my skills and you're happy with my skating and uh, you know don't worry uh, you know i'll be on the team which probably sounded pretty cocky at the time and when he told me that story i, I laughed about it but i, I was kind of when he did say that that was my thoughts like okay well i knew i was you know tough enough and even though it's pretty undersized that that wasn't going to be a problem so basically i told him in that uh meeting in july oh okay well yeah if that's the issue then yeah i'll be on the team in september and yeah kind of just went up there and camp started and you know i was still a decent player back then so i was getting some goals and then we got to exhibition and you know had a fight and it went well and it just carried on from there well there you go um yeah, well, as the season kind of goes on, of course, the BC League's always had some uh, some infamous characters come out of it, the Junior A there, and, uh, of course, at that time, Kelowna had a team, the Spartans, um, you know, playing in that uh, in that old barn in Kelowna that, of course, you'd later go on and play in when you were with Seattle. Uh, <laughs> you, I, I know you remember the old barn. You got any stories from it? You know what? It, yeah, it was just a, it was a tight, tight little barn. It felt small when i was in the bcj and uh the bcjhl was uh, a lot smaller you know i mean guys were just smaller in that league really skilled league and obviously there were still some really tough guys but it was just you know physically guys were smaller and it felt tight in that league i remember never mind once we got to uh to the whl so 
no 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 great stories in there but obviously you know they had some tough players and and it was you were going to feel it in that ring for sure yeah well of course it gets real small when you start adding fedoric and parker and yonkman and the rest of them all in that the rest of mutants that the rockets would have you know for anybody listening out there of course the Kelowna, it was like a back wall right like there was no boards there wasn't there just a wall yeah it was something like that i'm not sure if half the ring it had no no stands but yeah it was basically just a cement wall with some uh with some boards plastered onto and that's what it felt like when you get in there so yeah they they did when we get to that whl team but they designed that uh (laughs) they designed that team around that ring for sure yeah well one of the guys like you said on the spartans um was uh sort of a, a bc legend was uh don the hitman hearn do you remember do you have any stories of him do you remember him I do remember him. I don't remember us ever fighting. He was, uh, he was, you know, probably three or four years older. I guess I'd say three years older than me at the time. Um, but yeah, I think, I think they called him the hitman or whatever else. And he, yeah, he was definitely, uh, one of the toughest guys in the league. Um, I guess we're getting into that's probably 28 years ago. So not, no, no great stories, but yeah, I, I remember, uh, I remember the name and I, I think I remember the, I think it was the hitman that went with that name. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely, yeah, definitely a tough guy. Well, one of the, uh, yeah, and like you said, there's always a few characters in that league. And one of them, of course, was playing for the Vernon Lakers as a 16 year old rookie was Dale Purrington. Uh, <laughs> you remember Purrington? I do. I do. Uh, you know what? I always got along good with Purrington. Um, we, we, uh, I think he might have busted his hand up near the end of the year. Um, I think I'd done the same. And I, I remember I was having a couple conversations, but I always got along good with him and I kind of, always liked the way he played he he was out there always running around and trying to fight guys and uh, uh we never fought up in the btj but we fought once we got to uh to the whl but uh yeah like i said he, i got along good with him and uh, appreciated the way he played hockey uh well another guy out in chilliwack was peter zerba yeah zerba that name sounds familiar like i said this is that we're going quite a ways back, but I think I remember us fighting off the draw. I don't know. I think I kind of just remember grabbing him and throwing some at him. I'm not sure what the reason was, and <laughs> but I, I definitely remember that name. I remember him being a pretty, uh, obviously he was fighting out there and agitating, but I remember being a pretty decent player too. I I, I, I could be wrong, but yep. he seemed to be everywhere, that guy. He was buzzing around and, uh, yeah, always in the middle of everything. Uh, I think he was or three years older than me also but uh def- definitely remember that name and yeah remember him in the middle of everything well halfway through your season there in ped ticton uh you guys added a character and a former guest of the show and of course the people listening you'll all they'll all know this guy uh old winger brad wingfeld uh what was his arrival like and what was the impact on the team yeah, winger. Yeah, he was fantastic. Actually, you know what? We had another guy earlier in the year. Sorry, Sean Pete, who I played yes. with, and he was a he was a great guy, good teammate, a tough guy. Um, so you know, the, the fighting was you know, BCJ is different. Like you get you get kicked out. Um, you get kicked out when you fight. So usually the fights are left for the last minute. You know, when you play hockey, you're not even thinking about fighting, and then you kind of fight at the end of the year and or sorry, the end of the period, unless uh, unless something drastic's happened. But um, so you know, me, Sean, Pete. Uh, I think there was a couple other guys, Buckman, maybe uh, Palachik. We were just mixing, and there there'd be some fights. Um, but yeah, once we got Wingfield, yeah, he was kind of the uh, the real deal, the heavy the heavyweight of the league. And uh, you know, I think we maybe traded for him end of October. Um, and yeah, it, it was great. He was a great guy. He was a great guy for me. 
uh, I, I got along good with him, and he was a good guy to learn with, learn from. Um, he was, I think he came in, um, he'd already maybe had a year or two experience, so he knew he knew what was going on. Um, I remember one game, I want to say it was Jason Given. He was one of our skilled guys. Maybe got grabbed in a line brawl or he got roughed up, and uh, the next game, uh, Wingfield went after him, uh, went after the guy, um, made a big point of it, and then, uh, you know, then kind of told me, you know, Ferone, this is, you know, because I was, it was early in the game, and I was, you know, I was kind of curious, or, you know, I knew, I knew something had to happen, but he made a, you know, he made it known, he made a big production of it, and uh, pretty much, you know, said, you know, that's how it has to happen, and, you know, somebody does something uh, to your teammate, there needs to be a response, you know what I mean, you, you need to let everyone know that they can't get away with anything, um, and that, was a great lesson for me not that i would you know ever let anything really happen to my teammates but he he made it crystal clear to me that uh he kind of showed me the way you know listen something happens to your teammates you you need to be there and you need to do it uh do it properly so yeah he was a great guy to learn under my first year great teammate to me and uh yeah a good guy i haven't seen him forever uh you know we usually run each other every 10 years or something but uh yeah i'd like to see that guy have a beer with him no, absolutely, yeah. I know he's uh, running that camp up there, the school up there. So, uh, yeah, old winger. But, um, well, yeah, and I, I didn't ask you that. I should have asked you this right at the start. Um, like, in terms of, like, I know you were saying, like, you come to camp and, you know, the fighting or whatever, um, and you were a skilled guy and stuff. But did you, um, like, did you ever, do, did you take any boxing or anything leading up to it? Like, were you kind of a, like, kind of a scrappy fighter kid, like, away from the rink growing up or that it's just sort of like fall into your lap and it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to do this too. Uh, you know what? Uh, like, like I said, I was kind of always, I was such a late grower. So I was so small growing up, but yeah, I was kind of always in the middle of things. And I enjoyed the aggressive part, of, you know, trying to hop, trying to hit and finish my checks. And then, uh, I mean, it, just in our neighborhood, it was a blue collar neighborhood. It changed a lot, but back then it was just, it was kind of part of, sounds bad. It was part of growing up. You're always yep. in the mix and the result fights and you needed to stand up for yourself. And, uh, I think uh, maybe my 16-year-old year, we had, uh, I would say, I'm sorry, all the minor hockey. You know, I mean, we, you'd you'd have those fights in the dressing room or you'd have those fights on the ice where you're fighting your teammates. And I don't know if there was a team that enjoyed it more than our Grandview team. It just seemed like, you know, coaches 10 minutes late on the ice, everyone would be chucking them. Or it, was just a, <laughs> it was just a group of guys that always enjoyed, you know, fighting, uh, whether it was fun or whether it was for real. Um, but actually, my 16-year-old year, I had a coach, Kevin Careless, and uh um, that was kind of a big year for me. I, I finally had started to grow. You know what I mean? I was getting taller and I was starting to work out and getting a lot stronger. And he, uh, I think he was an old BCJHL, uh, you know, so, uh, fighter and some couple different leagues. And, and we, we just worked on it after practice. It was just in the middle of practice. He might say something sounds terrible and we just start fighting. And, uh, then after practice, you know, all the, the team would do it. Uh, it was obviously a different different era growing up but yeah so that year you know i was just getting stronger and i fought him so many times and uh so by the time i actually started fighting for real on the ice i'd I'd done it a lot of times um i always had a heavy bag growing up so you know i would have hit that since i was a little kid and then um you know there was a there was a local boxing club uh we'd go in our neighborhood it's called the astoria and uh it's not like you really uh learned anything you know i mean it's more a place they they just throw you in the ring and you slug it out and if you come out okay then they might teach you something but it, they weren't really going to teach you unless you just showed potential but all all the good fighters in our in our area came out of that gym um later on as i started getting uh, a bit older and getting into it more i started my buddy had uh chris frankel we had uh 
had a great uh, MMA gym, and uh, me and him started training together, and I uh, you know, started doing a lot of that, and you know, it just helped with uh, balance and punching and all that. So it, it started coming coming together uh, a lot better. Yeah, so that was sort of later on, like later on, like in your in Seattle, or kind of like in your pro years. Did you start doing that? Yeah, you know, in, in Seattle, like I, I, I think I was 17 when I went down to the, the Astoria Boston Club. And like I said, that was more just a toughen you up. You were, you were just big throwing in the ring and you just, you know, you just start slugging it out. Um, when I was a kid, like probably from 10 on, I always had, like I said, a heavy bag and I'd always have a couple pairs of boxing gloves. So if anyone came over or there's birthday parties, yeah, that would be then just start chucking them. But yeah, well, I started taking it serious when, once I got to Seattle and you see how tough everybody else is and everybody's doing the same thing, then, you know, it, it was something you, you better work on because everybody else is doing it. And yeah, that's when I kind of uh, started taking it serious and, and learning, learning a lot more. Yeah. Well, so then well, the next year you, you go on to the Western hockey league and uh, I know most people obviously identify you with the Seattle Thunderbirds from your, um, uh, you know, your, your three years there, but you actually started with the Portland Winterhawks. Uh, you played a couple games there, 94, 95. Um, uh, what, what was camp like during the, like, like you said, the NHL lockout and that, I mean, Portland had a really young team, but, uh, there was certainly no shortage of, uh, of toughness or talent. You know, you had Zednick and Scatcher, Nolan Pratt and Isbister and Andrew Ferentz, um, along with Weimer and Deadmarsh. Were those guys around or were they at the NHL camps when you were there? They they were. How I wound up in Portland, I was actually planning on going back to uh, to Penticton, and, and I'd had uh, a couple talk to a couple schools, and uh, you know that was the plan. Was I talked to Gary Davidson before the year was over, and um, I w- that was my intention, and just come back and play one more year. He figured I'd get a scholarship after that, and then uh, once I got back to Vancouver after that season ended, you know, I just I was in school, and well, I was more there just to just to see my buddies, you know what I mean? I was like, you know what, school's not for me, and I want to be a, I want to be a pro hockey player. I want to try to get to the NHL. And quickest way was uh, was through the WHL. So they had my rights at that time, and that's how I wound up going to Portland. But, yeah, at first it, it wasn't my intention. Um, so all those guys you asked about, yeah, uh, it was a bit of an eye-opener. I went to Portland the first, uh, first year, uh, and uh, you had all those guys in camp, all the guys uh, high-picked. Adam Dedmarsh was there, Jason Weimer, um, everything, everyone else you mentioned. And, uh, you know, the, yeah, it, these guys were, were good. Yeah. It was just a step up. Like, uh, BCJHL was, was a good league, but now all of a sudden your guys are playing on with guys that are probably going to play in the NHL that year. You know, I mean, most of them, whether they were going to play in the NHL or come back to Portland, they were there skating anyways, just to get in shape for NHL camps. So, uh, it was a high level. Um, but yeah, I felt, I felt good out there. Those guys, uh, they were all great guys. Um, I, I think I, you know, maybe got played a game or so, and uh, figured it was time to get in a fight. And uh, I think, uh, if I remember right, somebody elbowed me right in the face, and I said, "Okay, whatever." And skated up ice, chopped them, and we dropped our gloves and put them down. And I was like, "Okay, that worked out all right." And uh, right away, signs and Dave Kamick, um, Dave Scatcher. You know, what I mean, I think uh, after that fight, everyone was pretty, uh, pretty friendly friendly to me they were all good guys to me and uh yeah it was uh it was a good bunch of guys you had there yeah well and like you said you threw out that i was going to ask you about symes you threw his name out there i mean um you know unfortunately the late brad symes but uh yeah you go back and watch some of his portland stuff man that guy was a 
You're friggin' killer. Um, did you did uh, did you have any memorable uh, training camp or preseason tilts with Portland? Uh, you know what I? Yeah, I fought at camp, uh, like I said, and then I had a couple fights in the exhibition. I think my only regular season fight, I think that was with uh, Ray Schultz. So by now, um, I'm, I'm I think I'm about five ten and a half, and I'm one fifty five. I think that year on Central Scouting. So I think there. I think I was the latest guy in the WHL. There was someone, uh, there was a skilled guy, I don't know if you remember, Brent Ashcroft on Tri-Cities, but I think it was me and him were the latest guys in the league. But I think uh, my only regular season fight was with Ray Schultz, and uh, I think it's on the internet. Uh, he was a super tough guy. I remember him and Jason Norrie having some great fights. Um, I worked chucking him pretty good, but in the end, he's he's just a little bit, he's bigger, like he's he's heavier than me, he's bigger at that size. We, we wind up fighting uh, next maybe we end up fighting the AHL when, you know, I'm probably 40 pounds heavier and uh, the roles are a bit reversed. You know, I feel stronger and faster and I'm hitting harder than him. But at that time, it's a good fight. But he was just, uh, he was a little bit stronger than me, I think, in the fight. And, and uh, um, but yeah, I think that was probably my only regular season fight, if I remember right, in Portland. And I can't remember who they were in exhibition. But yeah, there were, there were, there were some decent fights. Well, you, you just played the couple games there in Portland and then you're off to Seattle. Um, were you happy with going to Seattle? Like, uh, how did that how did that work out? You know what i uh, I was enjoying myself in Portland. Um, I I didn't I don't know if I was naive or any what uh, what was going on, but I, I wasn't really thinking about it. And they called me in one day, and uh, Ken Hodge says, uh, "Yeah, we're uh, just giving you a heads up. We're we might be releasing you, or we're going to be trading you, or we're going to do something." So you know. Um, just be prepared and it caught me off guard because you know i thought I'd, I'd done pretty well so far and uh um so yeah i just i was like oh shit now now i've ruined my eligibility for a scholarship so yeah i went home and uh fuck i was a little worried and you know <laughs> probably went home and selfishly i prayed i was like oh fuck you know i hope something work out here and uh i think the next pra- practice or it was two days later uh, i went there and uh they told me yeah you're traded to uh you're traded to Seattle. It was kind of uh, throw-in. It was me, Jake Deadmarsh, and then uh, Greaseball Thompson, Chris Thompson, who become one of my really good friends in Seattle. Uh, we got traded together. He was still in June. Uh, sorry, he was in midget, so he wasn't there. Um, and uh, yeah, so they sent me on to Seattle. Well, and there you go. And like Seattle's a good team. I mean, you're surrounded by some of the toughest guys in the you know in the dub. I mean, uh, how did that? Like, how was your confidence coming in as kind of a younger fighter? Did uh, you know, coming into the league as a, as, as really an 18-year-old rookie, you know, you have a full junior A season under your belt and stuff, you know, compared to a 16-year-old or 17. Did that make the adjustment to the, the Western Hockey League a little easier? Uh, I think it did, but like I said, just me being such a late grower and uh, late on putting on weight, um, it just, you know, you I I found that, you know, I, I'd be fine chopping him if anyone wanted to go toe-to-toe, then it, then it was great, you know what I mean? But I really noticed, like, once some of those guys got a hold of you and, and wanted to grapple or whatever else, you know what I mean? If we were just going to throw them, I'd be fine. There's nothing to worry about. But some of these guys at that point, when I was 155 or whatever, they were just so strong. You know I mean, they just had this, some of these guys had this farm strength where you could feel it when they grabbed you, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. it was just kind of an eye-opener, you know what I mean? Well, like, fuck, you got, you got to get stronger. You got to do that. But for the most part, you know, I did all right. Um, I uh, I loved Seattle, you know what I mean? Like, uh Right off the bat, I I got to that room. I knew Tyler Perry. Um, the guys, the guys were great to me. I think the 
I, I, I got there and we literally got off uh, got off the plane and we played Tri Cities and uh, I think you know not far had me playing on a good line and uh, I think with a couple minutes left uh, I remember Stahl was running around I remember him from being in Portland uh, and he was running around against us when he was in Tri Cities and he's being an idiot there and uh, an idiot in a good way I mean you know yeah, getting yeah. those that guys and you know. So I obviously want to make an impression in Seattle, and uh, he's skating up there. And I think that fight's on one of the tapes I've seen before YouTube. And I slash him, and and we go at it, and uh, catch him at an uppercut that drops him or puts him off balance there at the end, and uh, you know go in the room and pop and knock bar, and everyone's pumped. And you know I've just played on a regular line, I've just had a good fight, and I was like, fuck, right away, like you know it's one day there, but it's just welcome home, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I, I knew yeah, this this is where I want to be for junior. I mean, it was just perfect. And it's nothing against Portland, Portland. There were some great guys and, uh, I enjoyed my time there, but yeah, Seattle felt like home. As soon as I was after that one game, I said, I go, okay, this is, this is where I want to be. Okay. Well, let, let's get into these jokers here on this Seattle team. Um, man. And I'm telling you folks back that the, the Western hockey league with footage, I mean, Seattle was actually pretty good at, uh, at, at collecting Seattle footage and those DVDs from that time period are, are gold with you guys. I mean, those, I know there's a few season DVDs that are like two DVDs long. You guys had so many fights, but, uh, um, well, I'll throw some names at you. Well, the first one will be, uh, you know, he's an overager at the time and he's, uh, one of the WHL's all time leaders in fights, uh, was Dave Jezolowski. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jezolowski, he was great too. And, uh, like you said, he was a 20 year old and, he was running around. He was in the middle of everything, fight, fighting everybody. Uh, good teammate and uh, yeah, fun, funny guy. And yeah, just just took on everyone. Uh, like you said, that whole that whole team. If you go through that roster, it, it's unbelievable that we had that amount of many fighters on on one team at the same time. It, it, it's it's nuts when you when you go through that roster. Yeah, well, and like you said, I, well, I'm going to throw some. Yeah, I'll just throw the names out there for the folks just listening that. Yeah, exactly. Well, 17 years old, racked up 300 minutes. Big blue liner there, old Lloyd Shaw. Got any stories on Shawzy? Yeah, Shaw, Shawzy was great. He was a great teammate, tough. Uh, another guy, just right as I got to Seattle, made, made me feel welcome. He was our, I think he was our up-and-coming heavyweight that year. Uh, he was a heavyweight. I don't, like, he was fighting, to me, he was the guy that was fighting every every other heavyweight every night on on those other teams and and he did a great job of it he was pretty smart uh smart fighter good fighter uh and he yeah i think i think that was his draft year he might have been 18 that year but i think that was his draft year maybe the canucks drafted him that year but uh definitely uh definitely a really tough guy and and a great teammate and uh it was it was fun to do it with him well, another guy, and of course, the folks out there, uh, you know, this guy, he'd lose his jersey and he'd destroy guys. And the uh, <laughs> wild man, uh, Kevin Pop. Yeah, yeah, Pop, another guy. He was great, uh, great teammate. Exactly. I think I remember him and Nori. They went through a little stretch there where they'd come out of their stuff. Uh, yeah. So uh, both those guys, both those guys, never needed to come out of their stuff. They were, you know, they were as tough as they come. And Pop was. Uh, Bob was great. He loved loading up uh, big shots, and I seen him. Uh, you know, he obviously beat a lot of guys, and, and Nori was the same. Uh, but they both went through that stretch where <laughs> they'd come out of their stuff, and those guys were hard enough fighting, uh, fighting that advantage. As soon as they were out of their stuff, you know, they'd wind up uh, tattooing those, tattooing guys. But yeah, again, uh, all those, both those guys, Jason, Nori, Kevin, Pop, uh, great teammates. Funny, uh, I think back about those guys that just all seemed like Nori and Pop were at each other's. Uh, 
throats in a good way, just bugging each other. But it was a funny dressing room and uh, definitely a tough team. Did um, well speaking of jerseys, I know I always like to ask this. I know I got a bunch of jersey collectors out there that that listed and they like to hear about the modifications and all that stuff. We're talking about Pop and Nori losing their gear. What, what did you have any? Did you do anything to your jersey? Tie down sleeves, anything tear away, anything like that? Uh, you know what? I I, I didn't. Um, I think maybe in the HL, maybe I had a, a bigger jersey, but I wasn't really interested. I all I, I just wanted to make sure I was always tied up. Um, I had no interest in trying to come out of my jersey. It was just more a case of uh, I just wanted to grab and throw, so uh, I wasn't looking for that advantage. Did uh, was it just uh, just the rear tie down? Like you didn't have anything in the front? No, yeah, just the rear tie down. I was just concerned of it coming over my head. That was as long as it wasn't going to come over my head. I felt that'd be all right. Well, the uh, one last teammate I have to ask you about, and he's it, like again speaking of uh, kind of the legendary, and I mean with the amount of penalty minutes he put up in the in the SJHL and every, and everything else. Um, of course, Calvin Crow. Do you remember Calvin? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. He, he was great. Uh, I really liked Calvin Crow. You know what? I, he was there my first year, and then par- right at the start of my second year, and then. Uh, that was the last time I seen him, so it's probably been 25 years. But uh, he was great. I liked him. He was a great teammate. He uh, was a guy that knew his role more than anyone. You know, what I mean, he wasn't interested in doing anything except going out after the other team's tough guy. And, and I don't mean that. I'm sure he wanted to play, but he just there was no no confusing anything. He uh, he would as soon as he got on the ice, he would uh, he'd be heading right for their tough guy. Um, we, we still joke about him. I, I got some funny memories of that guy. Uh, I'd like to see him have a beer, but uh, we have a Seattle Thunderbird chat where we just kind of, all the guys that I played with, we kind of just bounce back stories back and forth, and I had to ask Ray Barry, I couldn't remember if that actually happened, but I remember we all got kicked off the bus one time, um, I don't know, guys being idiots on the bus or whatever it was, and uh, so they drop us off at a strip mall, and you, you see the bus heading up the highway, and uh, I was like, who's that? And then you look, and you see there's Crow standing on the bumper, starfish holding the back of the bus and the bus heads up the highway and curl right on the back of it and i was like Fuck, did that actually happen or did i dream that and then everyone remember that cherry reminded me of, yeah no that actually happened but yeah that was calvin curl and that's when everyone brings up that memory i think of that bus taking up off the highway with him standing on the bumper and racing up the highway trying to <laughs> trying to dangle onto that thing but yeah another really tough guy great great teammate well when you guys get together the old seattle guys and you're talking does anybody know where he is like, does anybody ever still talk to him? Uh, I rem- no, I'm not sure. Like, he was, I want to say Nanton. Like, that, I think that's Alberta. But I thought he got he was into farming or he had some land there. And I'm not sure, to be honest. Like, uh, we were supposed to have a, before this COVID, we were going to have a Seattle Thunderbird reunion. Um, we were planning on going to Vegas or Arizona or something to get everyone together. And uh, he would obviously have been a guy we would give a call to. But, yeah, no, uh, I have no idea where it's. Like I said, I... I haven't talked to him or seen him since uh, since he left Seattle that second year. People out there listening, in the sound of my voice, if anybody out there knows Kelvin Crow, get a hold of me because I want I'd love to have him on this show to talk. There's so many questions I have to ask him, but uh, yeah, when uh, when you guys like you said when you guys are spending that much time on the bus and you're going to the games uh, like. Uh, and I mean, and back then the the dub was so stacked. Like every team, like no, like I mean, we're going through how tough your team was, but like every team had three, four guys. 
you know, that would fight. Was there ever a discussion, like, in the locker room or whatever, like, okay, Paul, you fight him, I'll fight him, Calvin, you fight that guy? Was that Did that ever come up? Uh, I'm sure it did, but it was more, uh, yeah, yeah, I remember instances like that, but it was more, you know, someone's going after somebody, and then maybe if he didn't do too well, you know, okay, I got them, I got this guy this game. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you just, you'd pretty much go through each other's roster and everybody would fight everyone. And then if there was a general dislike for someone, you might wind up fighting them more. But yeah, I, I guess that did happen. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure a lot of it was more, uh, more not so much pre-planned. A lot of it was just who wound up on the ice together or you know, I mean, who ran somebody, you know, something like that. Um, you know, be like you've mentioned, you're kind of you're undersized, and you kind of have, you certainly don't have the killer look. To you. No offense, but you don't you don't you don't look like a killer appearance wise at that, especially with the mutants that are running around the league at that time. Um, do you think your size and the appearance and stuff may have caused guys to underestimate you? Uh, I think for sure in the first couple first couple of years, maybe going to the BCJ. Like I said, I was one forty five there, and my first year in the WHL I was one fifty five. Um, I think every year I was getting taller and stronger. So, you know, maybe my second year I was up to 170. And by the time I hit pro and got my stride, you know, I was 200 pounds. So it was, it was a big difference. But definitely, yeah, I didn't have the look of, you know, some of those 6'5", 240, 250 guys. And, and I know earlier, you know, in my career fighting some of those guys, you could, you could see it in their face. When you'd square off, and, you know, they had to look like they thought they were going to beat you. And, and that didn't happen for them. And, uh, you know, so it probably was only the first cut first couple of years maybe first year of bcj and then first year of the whl and then after that everyone everyone starts knowing yeah knowing who you are and uh, you're, you're gonna you're gonna have that 90 percent that stays away from you but then you're also gonna have that 10 percent that's coming to fight you because they know you're tough now so it's you know it's kind of just how it works but i think after a while it wasn't uh there wasn't too many guys you were gonna surprise you know i mean everyone does their does their homework and they knew who was fighting who and uh you know it was, uh, it was, there was no more surprises. Yeah. Well, Tyson Nash and Jason Strudwig have both talked about their fights with you on other podcasts and, uh, they still speak about you with, with awe and maybe a little fear. Uh, what do you remember about tuning up Nash and fighting Strudwig? Cause Nash thinks that might've been the worst loss. He like, he, he admits it that he ever like, and he completely underestimated your fighting ability. Do you remember those two fights? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I kind of do. Um, I played with Nash in Syracuse later on. Uh, great guy, awesome guy, um, and uh, obviously had a great, great career. He, he, uh, everything worked out for him, so that was good to see. But I, I think I, I remember him telling me that you know in Syracuse we were laughing, having a beer, and he said he lined up at me and, and looked over and something like that. I, oh, I got this guy. Yeah, I guess you know those were the days in the WHL if uh, if the score got out of hand, you know two goals or three goals either way well you just keep sending guys till there was nobody left to fight I, I know it sounds terrible but that's that's how it was back then yeah. I mean you have a, yeah. no no guys left on the bench and, and so I guess there must have been some fights earlier in Nash uh, Nash said uh, yeah that was his I think sad story he just looked at and he goes who's this uh, string noodle or something I got this guy and anyways yeah so uh, yeah <laughs> that was what it was um, Strudwick I, if I remember that up uh, I think I remember that story we were up in um we were up in Kamloops, and uh, yeah, I had a lot of respect for Strudwick. That I mean, that whole team, that organization, they were they were fantastic. I mean, you had again, as you had uh, Dones, Tuckers, all those guys. Um, 
you know, we we wouldn't give them anything, and we we try to abuse them and take runs at them, but you couldn't not respect uh, what they were doing. I mean, they were they were great players. They were tough. They were stand up for so. Um, they won three out of three out of yeah. four Memorial Cups. Yeah, like, that, no, that ridiculous. Was dynasty, pro, pro, probably the best dynasty ever in junior. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, um, you wouldn't have known that we had a lot of respect for them. Uh, it would have never showed on the ice, but we did. I mean, that's what we are we are trying to build in Seattle. We wanted we wanted to get to what they had. Um, Strudwick, he was great. He, I thought, he was a force on that team. He, you know, he finished all his checks. I remember him fighting Crow. Fighting Shaw, doing great. Um, so yeah, he would fight all your heavyweights, and he and he was a huge hitter, and you know he was a he was a big player for them. I, I think if I remember that right, uh, Bob Corey, he was our GM before Russ Farwell came in, and uh, um, I was playing on a good year, a good line that year. I was uh, playing with Jan and Herdina um, and uh, Chris Wall, so I was actually on the first first line my first year. Um, the odd time, if things weren't going well, not far to throw me on a on a different uh, line, but yeah, he was great to me. You know, I mean, I was playing hard and he was rewarding me, but um, I remember for some reason that stood out. Tori uh, called me in the room before the game and he said, you know, for he goes for the first three months, you know, you were in our top six forwards and he goes, uh, you know, now this last three, four weeks, you know, you're, you're playing like you're a 10th, 11th, 12th forward. And I was like, Oh, oh fuck. Okay. Well, you know, I better, I better do something about this. You know what I mean? Like that's, I'm glad that he told me, but I was like, fuck, I, you know, maybe my play slipping a bit. So I, uh, like I said, Strudwick was as tough as anyone, and I think I probably came across as an asshole in that fight. I lined up and gave him a punch, and he wasn't interested in fighting. Gave him another one, basically just kind of started forced enough. Forced him fight. into it? Yeah, forced him to fight, exactly. Um, and Yeah, and we had a good fight, really good fight. I wound up getting to know him later. He was with the Canucks, and uh, yeah, he wound up being a great guy. What a great guy. All those Cambridge guys were great guys, but uh, brought him out a couple times, and uh with my buddies and they uh yeah they they a lot of them were huge hockey fans and they uh they appreciated uh he was just just one of the guys with uh with uh oh, with my friends and uh, they thought that was pretty cool you know have uh have a canuck guy out there uh one of the guys doing shots and chugging beers with them so yeah yeah good guy both those guys nash again like i said great guy and uh, that's that's awesome that his career went that way because he was in syracuse with me and uh i think he scored 20 goals his last year and uh, Canucks didn't sign him, you know what I mean? It just didn't work out there. And then he uh, he went to St. Louis and uh, maybe changed it up a little bit and wound up having a great NHL career. So good for him. No, absolutely. Well, the Western, like the Western Conference back then was just like stacked with tough guys, like we said. And um, Was there any rivalry that you kind of looked forward to, like when they were coming up on the schedule? And, on, and conversely, uh, yeah. was there any team that you were like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't want to play these guys? You know what? Every team was, every team was like, it was a rivalry pretty much, and every team was like, oh fuck! Like there was no easy nights. You can go through those rosters in the mid nineties to late nineties. Like every team, right? you're saying three or four guys, but I can guarantee you, you know, I mean, it was probably five or six. You know what I mean? So yeah, you were never having, you weren't having an easy, easy night. Um, there was no set rivalries. There's probably some teams you fought more against, but um, uh, every every game, every team you uh, you played, you knew. Even if you weren't fighting, you better be ready because you're in for a hard, a hard game. Um, yeah, like I said, Kamloops was the one you'd uh, you'd really get up for because they were they were the best, and you were trying to beat them. And that first year, we actually uh, we had a really good team. Uh, we had Chris Wells and Jan Herdina and and Hertberger, and uh, we matched up well. We had a terrible start. I think we started one and twelve, but then after that, we went you know forty two and whatever else, and uh, we had great games with them. Unfortunately. Uh, 
we lost out in the playoffs. It was, I think it was the only year in the playoffs they did a round rob, and I don't know if anyone remembers that, but it was that you played each team, you played two different teams twice. They, I don't think they ever did it before that, and they never did it again. We lost our first two games. I think we lost once to Portland, once to Kamloops, and we were we were pretty much out, which was uh, unfortunate because we, we were pretty much, I think, the hottest team us in Kamloops, but I think our record might have even been better than them the last 50 games of that season. Um but yeah, so so to play Cowboys, that that was that was what you wanted. You were playing against all those stars, and uh, those were the games you really got up for for sure. Well, like yeah, just going through some of these teams. Of course, Seattle and Spokane. Of course, they had the big brawl there that we were talking about. Where I mean, you were you were still in Portland when they dragged the poor bastard under the stands and all that in the preseason there. Um, uh, so Spokane, of course, they had you know Kevin Sawyer, Brian McCabe, Jay Barge, uh, Joel Boschman. Uh, you got any feelings on any of these characters? Yeah, just all super tough, super tough guys. Uh, Birch, um, I mean, Birch and Graf. Uh, Sawyer was just, he was only there one year. Um, he was gone. I remember him fighting Nori. Him and Jason Nori had a good fight. Um, actually, we picked up Dave Kamek at the end, and him and Dave Kamek had a good fight. Um, McCabe, you know what I mean? He was, he was a great player, and then he was another guy that fit in that mold of, uh, you know, great players, but then would, would stand up for themselves. Him, you know, Terry Ryan, Shane Doan, again, La, you know, even Langkow. Like, these were guys that were, you know, getting 100 points and then would fight your heavyweights without even thinking about it. Like, it was, it was a different era, you know what I mean? Now, goal scores score, and they don't have to worry about anything else. But back then, there was, you weren't getting away with without standing up for yourself or standing up for your teammates, and that, those were some of the best uh, players that did it, I think. Yeah, well, and then I forgot, of course, the uh, former guest of the show, Mike Haley. Yeah, Haley was great too. He would uh, he would run around, he'd drive us crazy, and um, you know he'd have our whole team chasing him around. But he, yeah, he was good. He was tough. Stood up for himself, and and he knew his role. He he would he would be out there, forecheck and running your D and driving you crazy. Um, also, Birch, you know what? Birch was a super tough guy. Um, I, uh, I I probably fought him three or. four four times but he uh, i like the way he fought he he just tried to throw him um you know he was a big guy six four and and there wasn't a lot of holding he would uh there's a couple fights out there of us of us fighting but he he just wanted to throw i think he was left-handed if, if i don't remember right and he and he fought everybody um we had a really good fight one year and then i think next year i was a bit heavier i wound up catching him i think i dropped him um and then i think he started having i'm not i'm not sure if that was a had anything to do with it but I, I remember him coming to fight me a couple months later and um it wasn't uh he wasn't the same he was kind of holding on and birch never held on ever you know i mean he was a guy that just wanted to throw if you beat him you beat him or he beat you he was all about punching and and i, I kind of remember thinking fuck something must be wrong with this guy and he it was almost like he was just trying to hold on and get through the fight and then i think it wasn't long after he might have had he had to retire because of uh concussions uh which is a shame because he was uh super tough and he was a good player too i think he was with new jersey i think uh maybe he was a new jersey prospect um and uh, unfortunately con- concussions caught up to him but yeah uh again super tough guy i'm not sure if he gets enough mention but really tough and fought everybody no absolutely well and you mentioned his name earlier in tri-cities and of course everybody listened to this uh they know they know tr you know and of course he's a he's also on the same uh podcast network here that i'm at that i'm at and i've you know i've had a been fortunate to talk to him a number of times and he's always been really cool with me but uh 
you know, hey, an author, 50-goal scorer, I'll tell you. What was it like playing against Terry Ryan? Yeah, yeah, he, he's a character. Uh, I got to know him later on and through ball hockey. Uh, we, we played ball hockey against each other, and we actually played on Team Canada together for ball hockey. But, yeah, what a what a character. Um, he was great, great player. Him and Lanka were on the same line. Um, I had a lot of respect for him. He, you know, so he was out there scoring. And then, like I said, you know, he'd fight, fight our tough guys in a heartbeat, uh, you know, finishing checks. He, he was, uh, he was like those guys I mentioned, you know, I mean, I, like I said, I always played on a pretty good line and, and got iced time, but he was a guy secretly that you'd look up to, you know, him, the again, the Dones, all those guys, you know, I mean, I kind of grew up like in Wendell Clarks and Shane Corsons and those were, those were the guys you you tried to model yourselves. Unfortunately, as you get higher, you know, I mean, you know, it's everyone's so skilled; it's tough to do. But yeah, the, the, he he was great. He was uh, he was dominant in that league, and it's unfortunate, you know, it never quite worked out uh, in Montreal for him. But uh, great guy. Um, as we start playing hockey against each other in ball hockey, uh, you know, we we'd uh, we go for beers and detail story. Obviously, I mean, he's a published author, so he's got great great stories, and you know, we'd have beers and sit around and tell stories and. Great dude, and uh, yeah, I I always uh, appreciated his enthusiasm. You know, I mean, when we were at ball hockey, or seemed like that guy, whatever league he was in, uh, that was his Stanley Cup. You know, whether it was ball hockey or whether he was in the minors, he you know he took it pretty serious and uh, and made it all made everyone feel like it was their Stanley Cup. You know, I mean, he was a pretty pretty neat guy. No, absolutely, and uh, well, then in Kamloops, so well, the one guy I forgot to ask you about, of course, was. Uh, you know, he had got called up from the Rocky Mountain League and was fighting everyone. He had a few battles with Crow, and um, of course, and he went on and played forever in Albany in the American League. Was uh, Rob Skurlak? Yeah, yeah, Skurlak. We we fought four or five times. I'm pretty sure it was four. Uh, he was just a massive guy. I know. I think he was you know six six two fifty or whatever else. Um, I want to say yeah. We fought the second year in the playoffs. Um, he was so strong and he was pretty smart too. So he, uh, I remember my, my first fight against them. Um, we were winging away. Good. It was, uh, it was in up in Kamloops in the playoffs. Um, and that was the only time where I, I felt I got my right going right off the bat. And, and he was, you know, trading with me, which, you know, I, I always felt if we were going to trade, that was, that was great. That's, that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then I remember him kind of, uh, Pulling out of his jersey, you know what I mean, and, and that guy's—he's—he's he's just how big he is. It's such an advantage for him, anyways. And I was like, "Oh fuck, he's coming out of his jersey." And I—I I went to—I uh, remember I go to Neum, which um, sounds, I guess, sounds awful. But I was like, "Oh, you know, this guy's big enough already. He's coming out." I, I kind of looked at that as a you know trying to take advantage when you're coming out of your jersey, whether it was or not. You were allowed. Um, and uh, my leg comes out of me and almost looks like I tried to kick him. I seen it on the video, and I remember their coach the next day was like, you know, it was a great fight. Nobody needs to, uh, you know, it needs to be kicking. And and it wasn't a kick; it was a knee, which I guess that doesn't sound any better. But uh, yeah, so we, yeah, it was just uh, always had some battles with him. I think the second, my last year, uh, you know, by then I was a bit heavier, and uh, we had a couple of fights that were, you know, he 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 started grabbing my arm right off the off the bat i remember the first fight he, he kind of got the start on me and uh he had my right tied up and it wasn't much of a fight I, I couldn't really get free and the second fight i that game i went after him and uh i tried to get the start on him and uh again he got me tied up and he was just very strong and very smart um so i think in the fourth year or sorry the 
fourth fight we fight in the playoffs that year and i, I remember uh they just released that um they used to have a i'm not sure if they still do but they used to have best fighter uh category and then that year was parker in, in the west it was parker one i was two and he was three and and it was playoffs and i just knew you know he, this guy's come he's gone in for me for sure right off the bat and yeah like i said right off the bat uh he comes after me and this time I was ready. I, you know, I just, I knew he was going to grab my right. And, uh, I think that fights on YouTube or I saw it somewhere and it's a good little fight, but that was the, one of the rare times where I was actually prepared and I started with my left, um, started spinning a bit and throwing with left until, uh, until my right got free. Um, usually I just, you know, I just threw and didn't try to strategize or anything like that, but that, that was the one time I knew he was coming and, uh, and, uh, yeah, started with the left, which was rare. I, I never really did that. Um, yeah, he was just so strong and big and obviously went on and had a great uh, AHL career and, and got some NHL games and so good for him. But, uh, yeah, uh, definitely a tough guy and uh, definitely a guy that we would fight all the time. Yeah. Well, uh, the next – Prince George, I mean, they had a couple characters, you know, Catelier and uh, Matt Van Horluck. Uh You know, did, do you have any uh, memories of Van Horluck? You know what? I never fought Matt – uh never fought Van Horlick, which is uh just kinda seems weird. I fought Cotillia a couple of times. Van Horlick, um I remember him fighting Crow and who else did he fight? Uh, he definitely fought against us, maybe Nori. And yeah. Guy on my side, super tough and uh for a little guy, I think I remember him throwing really big shots if I if I remember correctly. Like he he wasn't a guy that would just throw quick shots. He would be loading them up, uh loading up uh yeah, so good hockey player and and definitely a tough guy. I think he wound up going on to Red Deer, Red Deer, so I didn't see him uh, as much yeah. after. But yeah, definitely a great fighter and uh, yeah. Well, some Undersized. of the video out of Prince George, um, you know, there isn't much, but there was there's one. You had a really good fight with Alexander uh, Boykov. Boykov, Boykov. Yeah, um, yeah. You know what? That yeah, I think I was uh, that was uh, I was only eighteen that one so i was 155 if i remember right he, he was a dirty he really dirty he actually cross-checked me right in the head right before that fight um so i got up but i was a little stunned and yeah came back and uh yeah we had a good fight i i uh i got him back i remember the next shift i as soon as we got in the ice i dumped a puck in and uh he turned and i got him back with a cross check and uh somebody else comes in and fights him fights me because of it but i i tried to fight him next couple of years obviously i was heavier next year and i never got to fight that guy again I, I thought that was actually pretty cheap what uh what he did that but yeah he was a tough guy he he played hard and he was a good player but i i, I definitely remember being pissed off pissed off with that for sure there was a few fighter european guys that would come over and fight it was him and like roman volpat and chara and they were coming over and, and tilting um well let, let let's get into the whole the whole chara thing um, of course, I mean, we're kind of jumping around years and stuff, but the, uh, in terms of the Western Hockey League, of course, like I said, there's not a lot of footage of Prince George out there, but one of the more obviously infamous clips is Chara, um, knocking out Mo- Tony Mohagan and, uh, with pretty vicious shot. Um, but I know you got a pretty good piece of Chara too, when you were fighting him. What, uh, first of all, what's it like fighting a guy like that? And, uh, what, what's the story with the Chara fight? Uh, yeah, you know what, um, I think that was my last year, so last year of junior, so by now I'm, you know, I'm six foot probably and 
185 or whatever. So I'm definitely gotten stronger and hitting, uh, I guess harder. I think, um, I think I, that was after my first year at Canucks camp. So I, I had just, uh, been to Canucks camp and, uh, I'd fought McAllister, Chris McAllister, who, you know, who was six, seven. Um, and, uh, we started hearing about this Chara guy. Um, I was actually going down to, uh, to Syracuse. Um, I think I was going to go down there. They, they had sent me from Canucks camp to go down to Syracuse and I, I'm not sure how it worked out, but Seattle season had started and maybe Seattle asked if I, uh, if I could, uh, go play those couple, uh, couple games in, uh, in Prince George before I went down there. So, um, I think I flew up there and I met the team. I remember, remember we were in, <laughs> we were in the stands watching. So you're up there for two games and we've seen, uh, this guy come out and we're like, oh wow, you know, because we're hearing about this six nine guy Char, and, and we're like, oh wow, look at that guy, but you know, he's huge, but he didn't look anything too crazy. And anyways, long story short, it was Friedrich, Kyle Friedrich. I don't know if you remember him, but he yeah. he was six six, so he's skating around, and we're like, oh, we're thinking that's Char, right? And we're like, oh fuck, we're the size of this guy. But like a minute later, this other guy skates on his Char, obviously, you know, and he's got extended sleeves, extended stick, and we're we were literally howling. In the in the crowd, we're looking at this guy like he's a, he's a massive, you know what I mean? Um, and uh, but then you watch him and you can tell like you holy this guy's coordinated like yeah you could tell just by watching that pregame skate this guy this guy's gonna be good. Um, that night, uh, yeah, so he he I, it's Shane Belter and him dropped the gloves and uh, Shane Belter was a big tough guy like I saw him beat up a lot of guys um, and uh, Charred drops him with a you know big shot and we're like fuck you know was that was that meant to be like was that just lucky like we were kind of confused we we're just guess you know figuring he's a big european guy you know i mean we didn't know this guy know how to fight um so we were kind of like oh was that meant to happen um the next night you know uh, I, i'm going i know okay well you know, that's my teammate that happened my teammate so i'm going after him you know i know before before the game first chance i get also we're at the hotel i remember ronnie delorme was there he's a canuck scout and he was uh he was pushing for me for the Canucks to sign me. So he's he's just we're more or less talking about when I go down to Syracuse, what he wants me doing, this and that. And he's coming to the game up in Prince George. So, you know, one hundred percent I'm going after Char. Um anyways, we puck drops, he's on D. I just skate over there and challenge him and he looks pretty eager and then so I go to grab him and he steps back and takes his helmet off. I'm like, Oh fuck so you know, this guy's obviously serious. Um Yeah, and we and we we start chucking him and I don't want to sound cocky, but, you know, I, I had a really good fight with Chris McAllister, you know, a couple of weeks before at camp, and, and I, I went into that fight actually, you know, thinking I was going to probably take him apart eventually, you know I mean? We might have a good fight, and eventually I would take him apart, and uh, I know that sounds a little fucked up because he's, you know, 6'9", whatever he was, 250, but that's, you know, I was just pretty confident at that time, and um, so we're thrown, and then halfway through the fight, I'm like, you know, you know when you're in a fight. Like he's mixing in some uppercuts, and and he knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? And, I, and I'm so I'm in my head going, oh wow, you know, like okay, you're in a fight here. Just keep chucking him, and and that's you know that's what I did. I just kept throwing, and eventually, uh, you know, he goes down. You know, whether whether he bails or whether he got hit, um, you know, he goes down. Um, uh, you know, the footage is out there somewhere. I remember seeing it. It got passed around, or the teams were there. You know, I mean, I, I he went on and had such a great career. NHL career and you know it's a little funny talking about it because you know I'm not trying to make that my claim to fame or anything else but you know we're on a fighting podcast hey it happened it happened that's yeah yeah. that's the story behind it um but yeah I mean you know 
he went on, did so, you know, did great. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> didn't have anything to write all about. So, it, um, but yeah, that that was the fight. It was, uh, it was up in Prince George, and it was a good fight. And you know, people can decide whatever, you know, whatever they want. But uh, that's how it went down. Well, there you go. Um, well, ninety five, ninety six. You guys, um, you know, you're back. You got swept out of the playoffs. Unfortunately, you're back as a nineteen year old. And uh, guys like Crow and Pop, Sean, Nori just started the the year in Seattle, but we're all shipped out at some point. And then kind of the new blood comes in. Uh, you know, you, like you said, Greaseball, Chris Thompson, Mohagan, Rick Barry, Drew Palmer, um, all made the team to start the year. Um, that must have been a pretty wild camp. Uh, <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember that? Were they gunning for you? No, no. Uh... You know what? For some reason, like I, I've heard Graf talk about, uh, you know, talk about their camps and their fights. There, there, there wasn't too bad. Our, our, our camps. We, we mostly uh, save it. I mean, you'd have the odd guy that get in the fight, but we'd, we'd kind of save it for, for exhibition. Um, I remember the odd, you know, the odd practice fight or the odd. I think Mohagen and uh, Kuznick. I remember I used to bug them, but I think they, they lived together the first year, and then they drive to practice, and I remember them getting in a fight, and then they drive drive home together and I'd be like that's a pretty weird relationship you guys have there and um but otherwise yeah we kept it pretty pretty tame between veterans uh, at camp well your fight card was pretty stacked that year um of course one of the fights as we were talked about earlier was Purrington you know and he was in Kelowna um now I mean he has the rep of kind of that dirty and unpredictable and whatever um did did you did he kind of pull any of that stuff on you you know what? I, I kind of knew him from the BCJHL. And then, like I said, we fought. Um, that was my second year. So I was probably playing at 170. He was, a, you know, he's heavier. I mean, I, I think that fight's on YouTube or it's somewhere I saw it. He, he looks a little bit stronger. We, you know, we have a decent fight, good fight, but, uh, I would like to fight him when I was a bit heavier. Um, yeah, he was, he had that reputation of a loose cannon. He, he never pulled that stuff with me. I, I mean, I don't think, uh, not that he was worried, but I, I, I mean, I, I did a lot of stupid things myself, so there there wasn't a ton of guys that were were gonna do uh, try to get me with uh, any of that stuff. I guess I I could help stupid a lot of people. It probably sounds bad, but you know, I mean, I, I was doing my own stuff too. So um, yeah, he definitely uh, he definitely uh, intimidated a lot of a lot of people with that kind of stuff. And and obviously, he was a great fighter and a good player. But yeah, that that wasn't that wasn't kind of wasn't gonna work on me. Well, a couple other names that, you know, bigger dudes, um, were, were, uh, Colin, uh, Cluche in, in Lethbridge. And then, uh, another guy he fought was Mitch, uh, the wild thing, Shawara out in Prince Albert. Do you remember those fights? Yeah, I think, uh, I think Cluche, he was on Lethbridge that year. I, I yeah, I remember us throwing some. I, I can't, I can't remember it that great. We were, we were chucking him. I don't think it was anything unbelievable. And then, uh, I mean, sure, I it probably would have been just a case of me going after him or he him coming after me. Um, I remember hearing about him, yeah, the wild thing. I think he fought Popper early in the year. Obviously, a tough guy. Um, yeah, and we yeah we fought. I could fight. I think um, I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, I think if I remember right, he he wanted to throw punches. He wasn't the guy that tied up, so I'm, I'm sure it would have been a, a decent fight. Well, and I mean, we talked about him earlier, and that's how we got got you on the show and everything else. But of course, we have to talk about him. Um, it was a guy you you know you guys matched up pretty well in terms of size and punching speed and everything else. And of course, the former guest in the show, uh, Chris Graff. 
Uh, what are your yeah. memories of Gra- fighting Graffer? Yeah, Graff, he was, uh, yeah, he was great. Uh, that would have been my second year, and I remember, I think he fought Crow, fought Crow in the exhibition, and then he would have fought uh, Shaw, and then I think he had a couple fights with Nori, and then me and him wound up fighting. Um, and that was all within a couple weeks span, and I know he was fighting against other teams. I think he fought Tedarenko, and uh, that was probably one of the, you know, one of the best runs uh, I've ever seen in, in any league. Like, he must have fought, you know, probably 10 times within a two-week period or two, three-week period, and uh, yeah, he was... Uh, you hated him at the time. You're, you know, like, who the fuck is this guy? But uh, he was, uh, you had to respect what he was doing. He he was great. And uh, he was just smart and good balance. And I, I, I'm not sure, you know, how he was able to do it right off the bat, but it wasn't like he picked any spots. Like, he, he came after the toughest guys right off the bat, um, and he did a great job of it. it. It was funny the year later. I think we were both suspended once, and we were sitting out, and uh, <laughs> I got talking to him, and, uh you know, by then I'm putting in a lot of time in the in the gym and the boxing clubs and doing whatever I can to uh, to become a better player and also to become a better fighter. And uh, I said, you know, what what are you doing? Like, what are you? Uh, how are you training and this and that? And he goes, oh, you know what, uh, Ron, I I ordered a, a VHS, uh, uh, two hours of fights. He tells me something like this, Probert and Coser, and I just study that. And I was like, what? I go, that's you're like you're not going to the gym or you're not working out or like what's you know what, what's going on here but so basically he told me he studied a studied a two-hour fight tape all summer and then came and fought all the toughest guys in the whl which just seemed nuts to me but uh yeah he, he was great uh, i had a lot of respect for that guy and uh you know it's too bad he uh he never got to uh got to go on and play for um you know maybe a coach that might have rewarded him he played for bad clock and you know i i don't know the bad story but uh you know, playing for a knock bar, uh, you know, I loved playing for a knock bar, and he, you know, he would reward you. Um, I don't remember Graf ever getting rewarded. Like, it never seemed like he was getting a regular shift out there, which was too bad, because uh, I think he came in there as a pretty decent player. But, uh, yeah, fighting-wise, yeah, great, great fighter. Unbelievable fighter. No, absolutely he was, and there's a ton of Chris Graf fights on, on YouTube, and, you know, uh, I... You know, for those listening, uh, one definitely check out my back interview with him. It was a great interview, but uh, and, you know, we, we get all into the Babcock story. I can tell you that. But two, go to YouTube and check out his fights. He's outstanding, and uh, yeah, great tilts. But uh, yeah, and his fight card is insane. You know, it's like you said, it's the who's who. But uh, well, um, playing on two teams in the same division. I mean, obviously, you're probably going to run into an ex teammate or two. Uh, and this year, you fought both. Joey Tedarenko and Kevin Pop in Portland. Um, was it was it sort of tough to tough in that way, or, or was it just like it's just strictly business on the ice? Or you know, is there any teammates you wouldn't fight, or all bets off once the puck is dropped? Uh, you know what? Yeah, I mean, it, I like I really like Pop and I really like Tedarenko. Uh, I have a lot of respect for both those guys. Uh, really tough guys. Um, Joey, I'd known from Portland a bit, and we we fought a couple times. Um, we both, yeah, we had some really good fights against each other. Um, and Pop, uh, yeah, Pop was the same. I really liked Pop, and we battled together. Um, it just, it just happens sometimes. I, I definitely wouldn't say I, yeah, I don't think anyone would like that. You know, I mean, you're, you're fighting a guy that you like, and there's a good chance one of you guys is going to get hurt. So, I mean, if you're going to ask me if I'm going to fight a guy that I don't know, or a guy that I don't like, or if I gonna fight a guy i know yeah for sure i'd rather i'd rather fight the guy i don't know but yeah sometimes it just it wasn't an option and 
and it, and it happened. Um, I think that pop fight, uh, we were down three nothing um, in Seattle, and I knew Pat when uh, eventually. Um, I guess we'll get into it, but he uh, he's the guy that winds up signing me for the Canucks. So him and Mike Penny and Ron Delorme were at that game, and it was just three nothing, and they were all sitting there. The whole Canucks press was there, and it, it really didn't. I, I don't think I really had a choice. Um, you know, I mean, I, I wanted. They were there. I'm trying to get signed by the Canucks, and uh, you know, I I went out there and asked Pop. Um, it might not, you know, I didn't have an NHL contract. If I might have had one, I might not have asked the guy. Um, but yeah, there were just certain situations. There was no way around it, and you you had to fight. You had to fight buddies, um, whether you wanted to or not. No, absolutely. Um, well, it's, it seems like the an, a team like it says here the gate with Red Deer in Seattle. There was always a ton of fights, and you had a big line brawl that year, uh, or the year before. Um, and you fought some pretty some tough dudes in Lance Ward and. And, a, and uh, Terry Lindgren. Um, any reason why those Red Deer games were always so vicious? Uh, I think I think Red Deer just uh, Red Deer just they were always had a really tough team, um, and I think it was a case of all those Eastern teams. Like we we just played the same teams over and over again in the West Division. I think it was just you know it was just like probably fresh blood. Everyone's sick of fighting each other in the in the in the West Division when you actually got to. Uh, when you got to play new teams, it was just new guys, and everyone would be testing themselves against uh, against uh, new guys. I guess and I think it was just more a combination of that. Obviously, Red Deer had some really tough guys, but it was just uh, just more uh, more a case. Whenever you played a, a new team, finally, you're only playing those teams twice a year. And I think my last year, they made it that you just played uh, played the teams once. So uh, uh, yeah, I think it was just uh, new guys to fight more so than anything. Well, this is also the first year that uh, Kelowna had a team. I mean, they moved from Tacoma, and uh, <laughs> two of the characters on that team, of course, were uh, Scott Parker and Todd Fedoric. Um, you know, and they were just rookies at that time. But uh, just in general, what what are your memories of playing against those two? Yeah, just both massive guys, and uh, I remember. I think they both came in first as a seventeen-year-old, and I remember Parker fighting Pop. They had some good fights um, as a seventeen-year-old, um, and then Parker. I, for some, you know, I mean, some reason I, you know, I fought Rocky. I fought everyone there was to fight. I fought Skrillex. Like, me and Parker never, never fought, which didn't seem like a big deal at the time. But now I uh, think back about it, you know, I mean, because Parker was trying to fight everyone, and uh, I was trying to fight everyone. But for some reason, we never wound up fighting each other. I, I remember he came out once for a draw and said, "Yeah, you want to go?" And I said, "Sure." And he's going, "Okay, we'll we'll square off," and then. Then they took him off the ice, and that was the only time we really, uh, we really even talked about Alan, about fighting. Um, but he was a guy that just kept getting tougher and tougher. Um, I was gone after in his third year. I think, you know, he, he was him and probably Mike Brown were the two toughest, uh, two toughest guys. And he was, you know, was also scoring thirty goals. And maybe the next year he was fighting Tony Twist. So it was pretty, pretty fast how he went from you know kind of figuring out his first years and that fighting pop to maybe three years later fighting Tony Twist. They were, yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty remarkable. Um, Fedoric, he was another guy. He was a real big dude. He'd run around. Um, hammer guys, and obviously he was a good fighter too. We fought, um, I'm not sure which year it was. We we definitely fought once. I'm not sure it was once or it was twice. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think he, uh, I think, I don't know if we both lined up off the draw or what it was, but I, I remember chucking him and, uh, 
were throwing them pretty good. And then, yeah, he went down. Whether it was from a punch or he just got off balance, um, I can't remember. But, yeah, he's another guy that uh, both those guys obviously went on and had a great NHL careers. But, yeah, they they uh, they made it uh, tough definitely to go up into that rink. I mean, we, we had a really tough team in Seattle. We thought we were the toughest. We, we weren't uh, definitely intimidated by anyone uh, anyone or any rink but uh you you yeah you definitely had to be aware of going up and going up in that rink for sure well you said there's lots of roster moves and uh that year but the one trade that seattle fans will remember fondly was of course bringing in tyler willis at the deadline from swift current and uh you know he seemed to have an immediate impact on the team and probably was must have been fun to play with what kind of teammate was he and uh what are your feelings on on willie yeah, he was great. He was fantastic. Uh, well, you know, probably the biggest balls on a guy I've ever played with. Um, you know, he just uh, he would get in there and fight everyone. Um, just a great teammate, great guy. Good to have a laugh with, uh, and he was a good player. You know, he played on he played on one of our good lines also. Um, but yeah, he would just he would be in the middle of everything. Uh, he was great. He'd go out and fight teams heavyweight, or if you know maybe somebody was running around. Uh, an undersized guy, you know, he'd be able to grab him and uh, grab him and give it to him. Um, he, yeah, he was uh, probably unfortunate. You know, I mean that he, you know, I don't know what he was five seven, five eight, and, you know, one hundred and sixty pounds. But he's another guy who just uh, probably was at the wrong era. You know, I mean, uh, maybe myself included too. There was a lot. Of, you know, it was just the era of you know late nineties, early two thousands, where everyone was just they were just going bigger. You know, bigger was better. You know, what I mean, and they were just basically rolling guys out to center ice to, to fight and then hockey ability didn't really, uh, didn't seem to matter as much, you know what I mean? Um, but I've seen, you know, I saw Willis fight PJ stock and a couple of those. I mean, he looked like he got the better of him and, uh, you know, he definitely, uh, he definitely, uh, you know, he had a great career, but you know, maybe that, maybe if it would have been 10 years earlier, you know, would have had a lengthy NHL career. Cause, uh, he was definitely a good player and as tough as anyone and a, and a great teammate. Um, and, and saying that all those guys, if, you know, Chris Thompson, Jeremy Reach, um, you know, there's Rick Barry, Kuznick. Um, I don't know if I'm forgetting anyone, but th- those guys, uh, they all played the same. Obviously, there was Mo Hagen. You know, he was uh, he was another great guy and tough as they come. Um, but all those guys, if you're going to ask me about, you know, they they all were, could you know, tough in the same uh, mold. Like they were just uh, great teammates, hard workers stand up for their stand up for themselves and you know all those guys were fighting at the same and then time and trying to trying to become better hockey players so what a great group uh, great group of guys to play with no absolutely and like you said well we're always talking you know focusing on the toughness and everything else and the one i didn't want i forgot to ask you about of course is you know he went on of course at this time he's 15 years old playing with you guys and putting up 70 points and of course he went on to become what is he now the nhl's all-time games played leader um patrick marlowe what was it like playing with a young guy like that? Could you did you predict a thousand or what is it fifteen hundred NHL games for that guy? Yeah, yeah, he was great. He had uh, he had a late birthday, so I think he's a mid September birthday. Um, so yeah, you're right. When he came to us, he was fifteen to start the season. Um, yeah, early impressions of that guy it was almost right off the bat. Like I, I remember, I was really training really hard and you know running and skating and treadmills and do whatever you could to get faster. <laughs> I remember. Like early, I was feeling fantastic, the best I've ever felt. And literally, this you know, fifteen-year-old blows by me on one drill, you know, and I was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, what just happened there? Like, you know, it was all that training for nothing, you know. I mean, I was 
I was feeling fantastic, and to see this guy blow by me, you know, I was just blown away. And uh, I think he scored his first exhibition game. I think we played Spokane, and he had a hat trick, and we were just like, wow. Yeah, you knew right away. You were like, this guy's uh, this guy's going to be phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, he, you know, it, it seems crazy what he accomplished when you think back, um, when you, you know, what, what he's done and how many games he played. But then, you know, when you think back about it, like he was – at 16 and at 17, he, he was mature than, more mature than all of us. Very great teammate, great guy, um, but really simple that he just, you know, he wanted to be, he wanted to be the best. You knew, you knew it back then. He, you know, he was so much better than everyone, but he was staying out there late and working on, uh, you know, working on stuff that he felt he needed to work on. And, uh, he just, uh, yeah, he just cared so much about being, uh, you know, being the best and, uh, now when you look back at it, you know, the way he was taking care of himself and training and eating properly, you know, I mean, you're just like, it makes sense that this guy broke that record and so on, you know, it's like he was training for his whole life. Uh, yeah, greatest guy, humble guy. I couldn't say uh, enough good things about him. We were roommates. Uh, my last year, actually, um, had me on the top line. So I played on the first line with Marlo. So he was my teammate. He was my uh a roommate on the road, you know, he was a pretty simple guy. He was a farmer and obviously I was a city kid. So I, I tell him the stupid stuff we'd get up to in the city and he'd tell, uh, tell me about his farming life. It was <laughs> two different combos, but, uh, yeah, we seemed to hit it off. And, uh, yeah, I'm super proud of what that guy accomplished, man. That, that guy, that guy did great. No, absolutely. Well, your final year, like you said, you come in your, uh, you know, 20, your, uh, well, you were invited to, uh, to Canucks camp. Um, how did uh, how did that go for you? Like, well, you kind of briefly mentioned a couple times you fought McAllister in that camp, and um, what was it like to uh, to go to a Vancouver Canucks camp? And did you play? Did you get any preseason games? Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, not no preseason games. Preseason games that year. I um, obviously I grew up I grew up a huge Canucks fan. Um, you know, I mean, I, where we live in the East End, uh, Canucks used to play. It's a couple blocks from my house now, but. Uh, they used to play right in our neighborhood at the old Pacific Coliseum. So, um, me and my buddies, there, there wasn't any bigger fans. So, uh, once I, uh, once I started hearing that they were interested, they used to come watch the games and there was talk that they might be drafting me or, or signing me. You know what I mean? There, <laughs> there was no other team I wanted to go to. Um, so after we, after we got eliminated by, uh, Lethbridge in the playoffs there, um, they called me down and told me, you know what I mean? Uh, we're probably going to be drafting you this year. I was as an, uh, oh, sorry, that was at the end of my 19 year old year. But if we don't, we'll, uh, we'll be bringing you to camp. So, um, I was like, okay, well, yeah, that, that works out great. Um, you know, I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to play for the Canucks. So, um, before my 20 year old year going back to Seattle, yeah, that was my first training camp. So, uh, I go there and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty neat. You know what I mean? Like two years earlier, I was just a massive fan and now I'm skating with, you know, with all these guys I grew up idolizing so yeah it was it was pretty cool um back then they uh you'd get a tryout roster um there was no rookie camp so it was just main camp so you had three good teams and they'd send you in the mail and pretty much I don't know mid-July some would roll in with uh three teams rosters you know what I mean um so you knew right away who you're playing what what game you're playing and and it you know, if if you're a fighter, then you're definitely looking at that going, okay, well, my second game, I'm going to be going after this guy. Or, you know, I mean, you already have it mapped out, so you got two months to think about this, um, to either be excited about it or stress out about it, however you're going to handle however you're gonna handle it. But, um, you yeah, know, like growing up, I, I loved Gino Ojek. He was my uh, 
you know, him and Pavlo Bury were my idols. You know, I mean, those are the guys I I loved watching on the Canucks, and uh, I uh, I wasn't interested in that going after Gino. I, you know, I mean, I not that I was scared of Gino one bit. I would have went after him in a heartbeat. I just I had so much respect for him. I remember his first game when he came up and he fought Grimson, and then he fought Manson. You know, what I mean, and I think he was wearing number sixty six that game. So he, yeah, I kind of had him up pedestal, right? So I was like, ah, no, I don't want to. Not interested in going after him and. Uh, McAllister had already played a year in the AHL, so um, yeah, that was pretty much first chance I got. I, I went after him. I knew he had some big fights in the AHL, and uh, McAllister was a super tough guy. You know, he was six seven, um, but I really liked the way he fought. He all he never really tried to hold on. He was uh, for a big guy. He was pretty offensive. You know, what I mean, I'm not sure if they were lefts or rights or both, but he. So, anyways, I just went after him. We had a great fight, and I think it, you know it went down pretty well. I think uh, the brass and everything was was pretty happy. I'd had my buddies. Um, it was it was at Whistler back then, so they'd all drive up and watch the game. So it was pretty cool for them. I think it was pretty cool for all of us. Obviously, it was uh, my you know my first NHL camp, but also for them. Then now we're instead of us watching guys we didn't know, they were able to you know watch their buddy out there uh, <laughs> playing hockey against these guys. So yeah, it was a really cool time. Pretty neat. Uh, pretty neat. Yeah, well, and that, of course, at that time you had Gino and. A- you know, Pavel Bure and Brashear and them, like, were around. And um, how did, did you spend any time with Pavel? You know what? Uh, when when So the old Coliseum, we, it used to be in our neighborhood, and we we, uh, we were always around there. That's where the fair was and where the Hastings Community Center we worked out. So we were around there all the time. And we'd, uh, it's funny enough, we'd, we'd try to sneak into every game we got, we could. And that 94 run, I think, you know, it was a pretty special time for all of us, uh, we were graduating and it was just it was just a cool time that run when the city was pretty fun um so i remember after one of those games we just literally had snuck in and i was leaving the game just riding my bike home and i seen beery and i said he's pulled over so i went over and tried to uh, talk to him <laughs> a couple of blocks from the rink and he takes off and I go, you know where's this guy going so long story short i wind up chasing this guy a little bit on the bike and then he finally loses me but i I, I was alone with him at the camp, and I was telling him that story, and uh, he was actually laughing. We had a laugh to it. So, yeah, yeah, you know what? I, I didn't spend more than a couple different conversations with him, but he, he was great to me. And uh, Ojik also. Ojik was really uh, – he was a good guy to me. We had some mutual friends, some older guys um, that were that he was buddies with, and they'd already kind of given him the heads up that I'd be coming up to camp. And, uh, yeah, he introduced himself. And, yeah, obviously, like I said, he was he was my favorite fighter growing up. So, uh it was great. Those guys were all all really all really good to me. Brashear? Brashear was the second year, um, my second camp. So after my uh, my last year of junior, yeah, that had been my second camp. I uh, he was now you know, obviously one of the toughest in the, the NHL. And yeah, again, you get that letter that says who you'll uh, who you'll be playing against. Um, so I think it's Brashear, you know, first game of camp is against Brashear. And like I said, I, I don't want to go after Ojik. Um, you know, I'm, I'm way heavier by now, you know, I'm whatever I am, 190 and um, six foot and I'm feeling confident. So anyways, that, yeah, I marked that off. I know I'm going after him first shift. And, and then I told buddies also, you know, I mean, they're curious who you, who you going to go after a camp. Well, you know, I'm going after Brashear. So there's no, <laughs> there's no, you, you can't just say you're going to do something and not do it. So, I go after him for shift and cross check him and drop my stuff. And so he's ready to go and I can see it. And then he kind of just blows me off. And I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, you know, I'll give him another shift to think about it. And so I line up again and I cross check him. And, uh, 
and job and stuff again. And he's like, you know, I can see he's ready to go. And then he says, you know what, just save it for exhibition. And I said, well, come on, man. I said, you know, I, I, by now, at first, I, I still don't have my an NHL contract yet going in this camp. And I said, I'm not even sure I'm going to make it to exhibition. But I said, you got to come on, let's go. You got to give me this fight. And he says, look, uh, they've all seen you. All the brass have seen you try to fight me. He goes, just save it for exhibition. Um, and, yeah, so anyways, uh, Cabana comes in. We wind up fighting. We wind up going. I, I get in some exhibition games that year, and uh, we go to Edmonton, and it, it was funny. Uh, you know what? Brashear was, uh, me and him are just out in the hallway before we uh, before we go out to play, and Edmonton has everyone dressed. Uh, they have Myers, LaRock, this and that. And he says, you know what, Paul? He goes, uh it was just a, such a, a little speech, but he says, you don't have to start at the top. He goes, you know what I mean? Uh, just go out there and whatever happens. And, you know, he goes, you know, just look out for guys. And, but don't worry about running around and trying to fight everyone and, you know, um, starting right at the top. And it was, you know, it was just, a, you know, it was probably a 20 or 30 second conversation, but I, uh, it, it kind of calmed the nerves. And I was like, okay, yeah, you know what? I, I got this. And I went out there and, uh, you know, it was the first time I got to wear the Canucks jersey. It was only exhibition, but it was still pretty cool. And uh, I think Shaw Brown took a run at me pretty early, and then it was perfect. And gave him a shot back, and we dropped that gloves, and we had a fight. And, you know, and the nerves were totally gone. And, and to be honest, playing out there, I felt fine. So, um, yeah, so that that was my experience with Bashir. We, we never fought, uh, but, yeah, I, I thought that was pretty cool. And, yeah, he was he was good to me after that, too. Well, that's cool. Um well, yeah, just before, well, before we leave Seattle, I mean, we're in your last year, you're an overager. Um, you know, uh, well, to open the season, you guys played three and three nights at home versus Tri-City, Kamloops, and Kelowna, and there's footage out there of all three, and there was something like 20 fights in those three games. Uh, what was going on? Was this a case of, like, kind of just team building, guys trying to make names? Uh, do you re- Do you remember, do you remember that at all? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm going to guess I, I was there, but I was also gone for the first couple of weeks um, of that season. They sent me down to Syracuse because I figured I was going back for my 20-year-old season. Um, and uh, I I don't know if – I know I missed at least a couple of weeks, so I, I could have even – I could have been there, but I also could have been in Syracuse. But that was usually the process. Um, you know, you'd uh, – you'd uh, start the season and it was just everybody testing everybody. Um, so I, I, if you're telling me there was 20 fights in three games, I believe yeah, it was, well, you, uh, yeah, you, those were well, apparently you, times. you were there because you had only one tilt that was against Podoric and it was in a line brawl at the end of the third game. Um, because when Fedoric comes out, he never takes face-offs, but he was sent out to take the draw against you. Uh, do you remember this? Yeah. Okay. So I was there that weekend. So maybe it was the weekend, a couple of weekends before I missed that one. Then. So yeah, I don't think that was the opening night. But yeah, yeah. That, so and that's what I was kind of talking about. I, for some reason, I don't know why we both would have been on center, but I think he he tried to get the start on me, um, which is not a big deal. I've got the start on guys, and then yeah, I, I remember us going. We're trading them toe to toe, and then yeah, I think I don't know if I catch him with an uppercut or he just goes off balance, but uh, and goes down, and uh, yeah, I. Uh, I don't think there was much more to it than that. I think uh, if I'm remembering right, it has to be that one. But yeah, I, I don't think I, I never felt like I got to get him that good. But uh, I think that fight I saw a couple of years on tape. I'd have to see it again to uh, the refresher. Well, the um, one of the names, of course, that's on your fight card. I mean, we talked obviously we talked about Chara earlier, but uh, this year, of course, in Medicine Hat was uh, Rocky Thompson. 
And, uh, unfortunately there is, uh, I've never seen video of it, but, uh, how did your fight with Rocky go? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rocky, obviously, I mean, if, if Graf was my favorite fighter, then, uh, Rocky would have been my, my favorite, just, you know, favorite fighter in that league. I think, you know, he was, uh, he was the toughest in that league. Uh, we were only playing medicine hat once that year. So obviously we were rolling into medicine hat and, you know, there was no other, uh, I was fighting Rocky, you know what I mean? Um, early in the game, I, I remember getting uh, caught with my head down and a suit laid me out, and fuck, I remember getting the birdies, and I had a, took a couple shifts there to uh, to get my head on straight. But anyways, it cleared up. I think we fell behind three now, if I remember, and I yeah, I just went out and asked him to go. Um, I was always used to out-punching guys. I always felt that if, you know, if we were going to throw punches, uh, that I was you know, and wing away that I usually be able to uh, do well and catch the guy. I, I, that was one of the few times where, where I felt I was, you know, getting out punched. I mean, we, we finished the fight on our on our feet, um, but you know, he he to me he won that fight. You know, and he he definitely uh, he definitely got the better. He just he a very smart fighter, and he was able to switch hands. And uh, yeah, he was just bigger and more experienced at the time. Um, you know, maybe. You know, I would like to fight him with a bit clearer head, um, but you know, maybe nine times out of ten, he, he would have beat me. You know, um, I'm sure a lot of guys say <laughs> say they maybe had a bad fight against Rocky, um, and it's probably just Rocky being that good of a fighter that he makes you look bad. But uh, yeah, it, you know, it was a good fight, but he was uh, he, he was definitely he was better in that fight, which was didn't happen that often in my 20 year old year. It wasn't too often that I would probably lose a fight and 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 when i'm saying lose a fight like i said we ended on our fight i didn't get hurt out of it or anything but he was just his punches are coming from every angle and he's spinning in it he was uh yeah he was just a great fighter um i wound up actually when i was in syracuse he would been in calgary's farm club so we when we'd go there we'd catch up on a beer and yeah he was a great guy he was actually uh back then i was only throwing rights and he, he gave me a couple tips for throwing lefts there was a couple things that i used um as uh during the summertime he you know he passed on a couple things he did which was great and uh you know as as my career went on and i started using my uh left way more uh, i got comfortable with it it was actually stuff he had told me to work on which is which was funny and i thought that was pretty cool of the guy uh you know passing on some knowledge like that um it's too bad he i mean he had a great career but to me, when if you want to talk about tough guys, like you know, maybe what, what was Belak top five or top three in the NHL at some point? I, you know, to me, I think Rocky would have been you know top top three or one or two if if you know he consistently would have had you know two or three or four year run in the NHL because he, he was as good as it got. You know, I mean, I, I don't know, um, maybe I'm biased because he's a Western League or whatever else, but he uh, he was well, my I, favorite player. I agree, I agree with you. Yeah, and I mean, even the brief time that he had up there, he did pretty good, but. Uh, the, the fight that kind of really cemented it for me that shows that to me that he could really to, was the fight with Grimson. Cause at that time, Grimson's really cruising along and was like a top guy in the league. And like Rocky fucking picks him apart in that fight. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I've seen those same fights and I just, and, and I saw what he did to guys that were considered so tough. Um, it's yeah, it's unfortunate. Like, I mean, why, why some guys make it and some guys don't, but he, you know, I, I could, I think he could have easily went on to the NHL and been the toughest guy for, you know, for a lot of years. So, uh, it's good to see. It looks like he's in the coaching now and it sounds like he's a pretty, uh, pretty good coach and eventually we'll, you know, get to the next, uh, level as a head coach. So anyways, but, uh, good to see. Yeah. He was a super tough guy and a good dude. 
Absolutely. Well, like the, we were just saying, the kind of the line brawls back then. I mean, it's a totally different world, obviously, but line brawls are pretty common back then. Uh, but uh, um, what are your thoughts on just line brawls? What were they like? Did you uh, like, you know, were you scary? Or were you pumped up? Would you, you know, what, what were your feelings on line brawls in general? Um, you know what? I would didn't think a lot about them. I think you were just concentrating on who you were fighting. I guess you had to be cautious of you know somebody else coming around but mostly everybody would just pair off and uh you'd fight until until the fight ended and uh until the ref came in or they took times breaking up uh breaking up fights but i never really thought much about it i you know i I would just pair off with whoever i was fighting and that'd be the that'd be the end of it well i can remember chris thompson there when he started the big brawl in Kelowna when he tried to get into the rockets bench and you know, there wasn't many teams that were back then with a, would challenge the, those rocket teams, but here's Greece over there giving it a go, especially in Kelowna. Do you uh, do you remember that night in Kelowna? I, I do. Yeah, I remember that somewhat. Yeah, yeah. Greece was Greece was great. He was a uh, he was a great agitator and a tough guy. And yeah, he oh he wouldn't have been worried. Like I said, at Kelowna, obviously they they had Parker who was super tough and Fedoric. Um, I'm sure there were some other guys. Nobody really stands out to me, but definitely. Um, Seattle. I mean, we you know we had our fine share of super tough guys. We definitely weren't scared of scared of that team or their rings, no matter you know no matter who they had. Um, but yeah, that would be typical grease ball. He was uh, he was always right in the middle of things um, and, and provoking and provoking them. I, I can't remember exactly who who or what happens, but I do remember there being yeah, somewhat of a, a line brawler or whatever else. In the, uh, yeah, well, yeah, well, like you said, the, the following year you're, you're turning pro and it's back to Canucks camp and, uh, uh, how did that camp go? And then obviously you end up with the Syracuse crunch, but, uh, how did that, uh, that second Canucks camp go? I mean, you kind of briefly talked about it, but yeah, that, so second camp, uh, yeah, I had, uh, when after Brashear, we didn't fight then I fought the <laughs> Cabana camp and then Brown in exhibition. I got a exhibition game a couple exhibition games in there and then uh, yeah we were in calgary we were playing calgary flames and then yeah the, the phone rang um rang in the hotel and uh it was my agent and he just said uh it was after that edmonton game he goes yeah the canucks are going to sign you to a to a three-year deal and uh, yeah it was kind of uh fuck it was great it was a pretty nice reward for those those three years in junior um and a little bit surreal also i mean grew up loving the canucks and all of a sudden uh you know, I'd already been to two camps, but now they were officially signing me. Um, you know, that, uh, yeah, it, it was pretty neat. And they were, yeah, I, I was pretty happy. Came home and uh, went out there, played the planes, and got home and told everyone, yeah, that's it. They're, they're signing me. So, um, pretty cool time in the life. Well, absolutely. And, of course, you head down to the American Hockey League, and you're at the Syracuse Crunch. And, you know, uh, and your coach there is Wolfman Jack McElhargy. Uh uh, your first year, how how was he as a, as a coach? And did you get along with him? I did. You know what? And jeez, uh, I uh, you know what? Just going back to Seattle before we go on to Jack Mack, if you don't mind, I, I totally forgot to uh, mention Nafar. We never spoke about Nafar. Oh yeah, but, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was looking at his name the whole time. Didn't mention him. Yeah, Don Nakbar. What was it like playing for him? I, I, yeah, I can't believe I forgot about uh, Nakbar. I, I love I love Don Nakbar. Um, after. Obviously, my parents were my biggest influence in my life, but after uh, after them, uh, that was not far. He he was fantastic. Uh, he was old school, 
hard-nosed guy. Uh, wouldn't let you take a shift off. Wouldn't let you take a practice off. Um, but he, it was perfect, and that's uh, that's what me and a lot of us needed in our life at that time. Um, you know what? You'd go play hard for that guy, and uh, he would reward you. You know what I mean? There's there's a lot. Uh, you wanted to play on a better line, or you want to be on the power play or the penalty kill. You know, go go show him something. And uh, you know, he was true to his word. He, he was great. He just uh, he wanted to see that you cared. You know what I mean? And, and that you gave a fuck. And then you know he he would reward you. And uh, yeah. He was uh, he was my favorite coach to play for. I absolutely loved it and uh, fantastic guy. It's funny I uh, I find myself using some of his phrases with my kids. You know what I mean? That's how, how much some of this shit got drilled into my head. That uh, you know we're sitting around the table and saying stuff that guy used to say to me 25 years ago. So yeah, uh, I owe a lot to that guy. He was great and uh, yeah, he's a good friend of this day. Excellent. Yeah, no, I can't believe. Yeah, I was sitting there staring at his name. I usually always ask about the coaches, but. Uh... Yeah, as we were uh, talking about uh, Don Nackbauer, and of course, as I'm bouncing through questions, it's my fault. I I saw a bunch of names and I, I skipped over them, not on purpose. But uh, one of the names uh, I wanted to ask you about, of course, uh, I know he's a, he's a good friend of yours and uh, a teammate in Seattle. Before we get on with our Syracuse, was uh, Tony Mohagan, Big Tony. Yeah, yeah, Tony was great. Uh, he came to us. Uh, I think we were on our Eastern swing my second year. We added him. Um, I think his first game he lined, uh, he wound up in a line brawl with Paul Butchkowski. Um, it was probably one of his earlier fights and he was just, just throwing these clubs. They weren't the straightest shots and he was just kind of using them almost sledgehammers or clubs and we all got a good kick out of that. But, uh, yeah, he was a great guy, just a massive guy and, uh, great, great attitude for, uh, for fighting. He kept, uh, he kept at it and, you know, kept getting tougher and tougher um played with uh lived with them sorry my second year they put us together so i actually lived with the guy so we uh yeah we became really close uh great teammate great guy um and he obviously just just kept getting tougher and tougher um you know i know you mentioned that chara fight um which you know obviously it's there for people to see uh but he him and chara had fought earlier in the game um they threw a couple at each other and, and nothing really happened and and uh Unfortunately, yeah, that 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 wasn't enjoyable to uh, to see that happen. But uh, you know, Tony, uh, you know, he did a lot of damage on other guys, and he beat up a lot of super tough guys. And it's just unfortunate. I think um, you know he had a couple concussion problems, and uh, you know, back then concussions weren't weren't that big a deal. You know, I mean, we didn't know a lot about them, and you know, everyone would just play with concussions. You know, take an Advil and, and go play. You know what I mean? And uh, he almost kind of looked at it as a, a sign of weakness, right? You weren't really going to let no anyone know, or you weren't going to let the trainers know because you're scared of coming out of the lineup, or let the you know let the coaches know. You know, he just it was just something you hid. We all did it. Everyone played with uh, played with concussions, and you try to you know try to maybe get through those couple games without getting in a fight. You know, I mean that's that's what what you would do. That would be your idea of healing a concussion back then was maybe not fighting for a couple games. But um, unfortunately, before that fight, you know, I mean because that doesn't. Mohagan justice. You know, I mean, he had so many great fights against guys, and then um, I think he got a concussion in the playoffs earlier. Um, kind of kept it. You know, I mean, I was his roommate. I didn't even know. You know, I mean, and uh, and when you're fighting guys that big and tough, you know, I mean, if you get a concussion, you, you know, obviously need to take a week or a month or whatever amount of time it is. And when you come back from a come back from a concussion too quick, that, that's what happens. But 
yeah, so unfortunately that that wasn't the best result for him. But yeah, he wound up becoming a great player and a good hockey player. He got an NHL contract with Anaheim, and uh, um, unfortunately in the end, concussions caught up with him. But uh, yeah, just again, like all those guys, like Jeremy Reach and Kuznick and Rick Barry and all those guys, just another great teammate that was uh, great to go battle with. You know, two years just. Uh, going out and battling with those guys. Great guys, great teammates, and, uh, yeah, great bunch in Seattle. Yeah, and like you were saying with with Tony, that's the unfortunate thing, right? I mean, with footage not being around and stuff, you know, everybody sort of sees the fight with Chara and, you know, whatever, and, you know, you kind of, you know, whatever, you know. That that it is what it is, but, I mean, yeah, like you said, he was a, he was a dominant heavyweight fighter in the Western Hockey League. He, he definitely was. I, my First year, we had Friedrich at the start, and I remember, I remember so many of those big guys kind of just, you know, took them a while to get going. But I remember uh, Friedrich telling me when we were sitting around that, you know, Mohagen had always, you know, got him both a couple times, and, and he never really got to get back back at him. And then obviously, you've seen how well Friedrich did when he went to the NHL. So a lot of times, it was just a case of guys matching up uh, against guys, or when they fought in their career, or maybe one guy was injured when they fought, or, you know, I mean, it's so. There's just so many different variables in, in a hockey fight that that can happen. But yeah, for sure, I know people talk about that char fight. You brought it up also, but it just you know, like like I said, he had so many great fights and and uh, he was on the receiving and I've given those most of the time. But that's that's one that he lost and uh, yeah. But he did great. You know, I mean, he got an NHL contract, which a lot of guys don't, and it's uh, unfortunate didn't work out. But great teammate, great guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, there you go. And. Uh... Yeah, so uh, Syracuse. So you're in Syracuse, and uh, McElharkey's your coach. Did you get along with Jack? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, you know what? Uh, my HL career just, uh, you know, never quite went the way I liked. We my first two years we were uh, we were sharing a uh, farm club with Pittsburgh, so we had uh, double the guys, and um, it just, uh, you know, there was tons of guys fighting for limited spots. Uh, Jack was a fantastic guy, great guy. He was. Uh, I live in the East End, and he was on the, the next little city over. It was the North North Burnaby, and I'd give him a hard time about uh, you know about where he lived because uh, the East End we always consider ourselves the toughest. And he was a North Burnaby guy, and I'd bug him about living up there. And you know, he'd tell me he used to come down to East End on big fight nights when when he was playing for the Canucks and warm up in the East End. But great guy. Um, unfortunately, uh, passed away last year. Uh, rest in peace. But what a, what a fantastic guy. Um, hockey wise, you know, it just, there was a lot of guys there. Um, so it wasn't a lot he could do. You know, he was, uh, he tried to get me out there and I know he appreciated the style I brought, but, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't always his calls, I guess. Well, what was, uh, yeah, like, so you're in the American league and these guys, what was, what was the, how'd you find the jump from junior to pro? Um, you know what? I, I felt fine. It was just more a case of getting ice time. Like, uh, I, I was a, you know, pretty simple player. Like, I, I could do everything okay, and I could get around and skate it all right. And, uh, I mean, like, in Seattle, I always played on the top line. Um, you know, I mean, my last year, I was on the first line with Marlow. Um, other years, I was always on the second or third line, you know what I mean? And so I, I was a guy that always played lots. I, you know, I would try to fight a ton, but, you know, it wasn't like I was coming off the bench just to do strictly that. Uh, once I got to the American League, like you said, where you know, where you're fighting for ice time, um, so it was just it was really hard to get ice time. But every every time I felt like I was out there, the game almost felt easier. You know what I mean? Like 
you just get the puck and you move it. You know, I mean, you're never going to skate through guys. You, it was just a simple game. You get you get the puck in and you get it out and you give the player the puck to the to the skilled guys. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I never found that jump hockey wise um, that big a deal. Uh, obviously, fighting wise, yeah, there there was a little bit of a, you know a little bit of a transition because now you're uh, now you're playing against men. You know what I mean? You're you're going from playing against teenagers or fighting teenagers who are the best at what they do. But they're still, you know, 19 or 20, and now you're playing against guys that are 25 to 30 that aren't uh, strong as they're ever going to be, right? No, absolutely. All right, guys, I think we'll stop right there. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time to listen to part one. And uh, we will pick it up right here on Sunday where, uh, Paul, we talk in part two in the finale. Uh, we talk, obviously, his pro career starting in Syracuse and then over to the UK and, uh, and we cover everything there. And, uh, yeah, I hope you, uh, I hope you come back and check it out. Uh, in the meantime, thank you very much again for, uh, taking the time out to, uh, to listen to this and, uh, we'll talk to you guys all on Sunday. Thanks everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 